Hello, and welcome to episode 132 of the Northern Miner podcast. I'm your host, John Cumming, the editor-in-chief of the Northern Miner. And this episode, we bring you the full unedited audio of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He was appearing at the Prospectors and Developers Association of Canada convention in Toronto just earlier today. This is uh, March 5th, 2019. Here he is interviewed by outgoing PDAC President Glenn Mullen, and Trudeau touches on uh, several aspects here of Canadian mining, including sustainability issues and uh, reconciliation with First Nations, that kind of thing. Yeah, so this appearance, it wasn't really announced beforehand too much. At first, they only allowed photographers in, in terms of the media. They kind of changed their mind back and forth. Just a few uh, journalists got in at the end, and I was one of them. So uh, I don't think you'll find this audio uh, too many other places. This podcast is brought to you by the Yukon Mining Alliance. That's a group of 17 mineral explorers, developers, and miners, all active in the Yukon. Please go to their website at yukonminingalliance.ca to find out more about the various member companies. You can also follow the Alliance's Twitter feed at at investyukon, all one word. This week, we also start a four-week series of Minor Minute promoted content segments. This uh, series is with Amit Gupta. He's the chairman of Montreal-based gold explorer Yorbo Resources. They have a few uh, gold properties in Quebec's Abitibi region. So let's jump into this Minor Minute promoted content right now. company, the focus is on two elements. One is the strategy and broad strokes of how we are consolidating matters. You know, we were, or we are a small junior exploration company that had a lot of properties. You know, we can't practically explore all those properties. It's just not physically or economically possible for a junior exploration company in today's economic climate. So what we've done is that we've refocused by doing some consolidation and pursuing partnership deals in a more aggressive manner and also honestly in a progressive manner that's accretive to shareholders. To give you an example, the IM Gold deal, you know, we had three deals, Goldfield that failed because Goldfield changed their worldwide exploration concept. We had Kinross that failed because they discovered, you know, a bigger uh, mine or bigger potential. Now we've got to deal with, with the guys at IM Gold and, you know, it's the right fit for us. It's the right fit because they have a mill close by. They're aggressively doing the drilling that they need to look for a property that will help feed that mill. So it's a nice partnership. You know, so those are the kind of things that we're doing that are a little different than what was being done, let's say, five years ago. And we're back, and after the break, we'll play the interview. It's about 20 minutes, 25 minutes, with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Member of Parliament from Papineau, 
the Prime Minister of Canada, the Right Honourable Justin Trudeau. It is such a delight to have you here. <laughs> Bonjour, you. Monsieur le Premier Ministre, et bienvenue à l'Association canadienne des prospecteurs et entrepreneurs. Welcome. Merci, Glenn. Je suis très content d'être ici aujourd'hui. Merci. Um, we're so much looking forward to the fireside chat without a fire. And we have a couple of topics that we thought would be agreeable for discussion, including Canada's competitiveness, um, indigenous affairs, and some of the regulatory things that we're working on in collaboration with your government in particular. There's a lot of people that work in the mining industry in Canada, about 630,000 that come from every province, every territory, every community in Canada. And so competitiveness is a key part of our industry, and we face challenges from a broad range of sources, some domestic, cannabis, cryptocurrencies, blockchain, um, and international, Australia and many other countries that compete. But one of the things that we were thrilled to see this year was the renewal of the mineral exploration tax credit for five years now. Each year, we met the renewal with relief more than enthusiasm. Yeah. Since, since 2000, right? 18 I mean, straight one-year renewals. <laughs> I mean, at one point, you got to say, okay, this is a good thing. Let's do it for five years, and that's what we did in the fall. And maybe you could explain a little bit about why your government thought it was important to the minerals industry and mining exploration in particular. Well, I mean, it's more than just the minerals industry and mining. It, it's, it's about industry in general. It's about uh, businesses and commercial outfits who are doing more and more long-term planning as we want them to be. I mean, you're making capital investments, you're looking for uh, the long-term, you know, a, a mine isn't something you can open and close in, in six months, obviously. You're looking over, over a longer period of time. Uh, five years is sort of, for me, uh, giving a, a bit more stability and predictability and drawing in investors and building the partnerships and, and planning for your horizon. I mean, we, what we want as a country is to demonstrate that Canada is a good place to invest, a good partner to have uh, in your business, and that means listening to your concerns and responding to them, and that's where uh, giving more predictability on the METC, uh, where uh, highlighting the stability that comes with the trade deals we've signed. I mean, you're obviously a, an international uh, an international industry with, uh, with operations around the world and in Canada that is exporting around the world. The fact that Canada is now the only G7 country with a free trade deal with every other G7 country. We obviously have access to the United States. We have access to Europe. We have access to the growing economies of Asia. Uh, we are extremely well positioned as a country to continue to engage in the global economy and making sure we're competitive within that is really important. So the METC for five years was a piece of it. The accelerated capital cost allowance as well that allows you uh, to write off uh, capital investments in machinery and equipment uh, a lot more quickly is the kind of things that we're doing to incentivize you uh, to invest in Canada and to know that we are your partners right now and for the long term. And met with such enthusiasm by our members and delegates in the aftermath. <laughs> when you ask for three and you get five, you can only be happy, so thank you. <laughs> um, the new norm in the world economy is one of cycles, pressures, challenges, 
and competition. And so that's no more true than in the minerals and minerals exploration industry. Commodities go up, commodities go down. We all check gold prices. We, the members in this room, check gold prices, nickel, copper. I was asked about the price of gold on my way into the conference. Prime Minister, any predictions on the price of gold? I'm like, I'm not going anywhere near that question. <laughs> but yeah, that's, I can see it's a, a concern. It was about 1288.50 US. <laughs> There's a 50% chance it'll go up. <laughs> um, but the mining industry is such a key contributor to Canada's, Canada's economy. So 5% of GDP, which is actually a huge number in dollars, it's about 90 billion Canadian dollars, in fact a little more, about 20% of Canada's domestic exports, huge. Key contributor to royalties, taxes, not too many industries brag about the taxes they pay, but we do. Um, it's a key creator of jobs, of course, and that's especially true in Canada's north and in the remote regions. On the topic of competitiveness, what can Canada's mineral industry do with your government to continue enhancing our role? Well, I think as, as in general across all different fields of the economy, people are understanding we're in a time of change right now, of transformation, of uh, new technologies, of global supply chains, and uh, everyone is trying to adjust to the new realities and the, 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 the pace of change uh, accelerating so much over these past, uh, past years that what we try to do as a country and what you certainly are doing as an industry is look where things are going. Um, you know, go to where the puck is going to be, not where the puck is. And you know that the investments in innovation, in research, in science, uh, in uh, partnerships with Indigenous people are all things that are going to stabilize and give you opportunities to be more competitive in the coming years. And it's, it's interesting because when, when we think about Canada and Canada's economy in a historical context, we often go back to, oh, we used to be hewers of wood and drawers of water and now we're uh, investing in the knowledge economy and AI and robotics but anyone who tries to make a distinction between the resource sector and the knowledge economy is completely missing the boat on what the resource sector in Canada is actually doing the level of innovation the level of research you are doing the level of of, of you know investigation and, and and innovation in terms of robotics to go deeper and further uh, AI to be uh, more successful in remote locations that's where the industry is going and these are ways that Canada is investing and in. I made a big announcement uh, last week on AI and robotics in regards to our space program, but that applies across many industries where you are innovating for the future. So in the way you're doing things, uh, it's very much a part of the new economy. But at the same time, what you're doing is also very much a part of the new economy. We can't talk about electric cars without recognizing that there's way more copper wiring in an electric car than in a traditional car. We know uh, solar panels require all sorts of different minerals, a number of which are uh, available and, and, and developed in Canada. Uh, we know that, uh, that the kinds of innovations that are coming down the pipe are going to require more and more high quality processes, productions and products. And this this industry in a stable country like Canada, which is stable politically, geographically, socially, uh, um, uh, economically, fiscally, is a sound investment, particularly because you can count on Canadians to be hardworking, innovative, ambitious, creative, and drive success for your industry and your investors. 
Thank you, Prime Minister, and you are certainly a great promoter of our industry, as we've just heard. And you actually used a hockey metaphor in there. <laughs> I know you're a Habs fan, Glenn, so uh, we're going to bond on that one, even here in Toronto. Uh, there you go. There you go. Um, and thank you for that. I was actually supposed to open by asserting that the PDAC is more or less our Stanley Cup, but without Connor McDavid or Sidney Crosby. So there you go. There's far too many Canadians right now who've uh, done well in the PDAC as opposed to at the Stanley Cup, but we're going to turn that around this year with a number of good teams. I hope that to be true. I'd like to move to a completely different topic now and one that I think is important to everyone in this room and was part of our opening from Lisa when she paid tribute to the Credit First Nation. So indigenous partnerships and the way that the minerals industry in particular engages with northern communities, communities, aboriginal people, not just in Canada, but outside. But in particular in Canada, we're known for many of the partnerships that we formed with communities, companies, communities. There's over 500 such partnerships. Most have been done in the last 10 years. I'd like to get your thoughts on the way that the mining industry engages with aboriginal people and indigenous communities. Well, you, first of all, you know, we've seen over the past few years that Canadians care deeply, non-Indigenous Canadians care deeply about reconciliation. I mean, we can't be the country we like to pretend we are on the world stage, standing up for human rights, standing up for equality and opportunity and partnership and all the good things if we don't transform for the better. Uh, the relationship that has been broken for far too many generations and indeed centuries uh, with indigenous peoples, with the first peoples on our land. So uh, in the 2015 election, Canadians asked our government very clearly uh, to move forward in partnership and in reconciliation uh, with indigenous peoples. And the government hadn't done a very good job over the past years of creating those partnerships. But you know who had in many cases? Uh, the mining industry. Uh, you all have been at the forefront of partnerships, of cooperation, of, of working together with indigenous peoples. Uh, just you know, by dint of being so present in remote areas of Canada, uh, you've developed an ability to do that that has led to uh, 16,000 indigenous peoples working in your industry, which is uh, among the, the, the top employers of indigenous Canadians uh, across the country. You've also developed and worked with them, so it's not just direct jobs, it's supply chain jobs. It's, it's uh, services that your minds require that are being delivered by indigenous owned and operated uh, industry, uh, companies and businesses uh, in the area. And increasingly, we're moving towards and you're, you're leading the way on thinking about uh, partnerships that go deeper than just service uh, agreements, but uh, equity partnerships, uh, partnerships on, on resource development and sharing the kinds of things that is recognizing Indigenous peoples as uh, the original caretakers and stewards of this land. Those kinds of reflections, there's still more work to be done on that, and of course the government will have an important role in making sure uh, that we remain competitive, that we remain positive, but that people who who have been stewards of this land for a long time will be able to fully benefit in, uh, in the, the economic output of that land. These are the kinds of things that you have already and consistently led on, uh, and we want to continue to work with you on them. Thank you, Prime Minister. Um, I think the mining industry is pretty well disposed for this conversation in another respect as well. Most mining companies are based in major urban centers in Canada, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, etc. But the mines, the operations, are very much located in regions, remote areas, which are connected to 
Aboriginal communities for the most part. That's true in the territories, it's true in the provinces. I've been fortunate to spend a lot of my own experience in Nunavik, Quebec, in the very far north, 1,728 kilometers north of Montreal, and the, the Inuit in that particular part of Quebec are brilliant partners, collaborative partners, and very progressive to work with. Where do you see room for improvement across the spectrum of minerals industry development in Canada's north in particular? Well, I think, I think better is always possible. And, and as you engage in thoughtful ways and look to create deeper and deeper partnerships that go uh, beyond uh, just, uh, you know, just a... a, a um, employer-employee relationship to be more partners in the development uh, as as you have more and more uh, indigenous uh, you know, leaders and and you know, professionals uh, engaging in this industry, I think that's that's a logical step. One of the pieces of it, though, is part of recognizing what this industry knows well is that the way to get projects built now. Uh, whether it's a mine or any sort of resource project, uh, is to do it thoughtfully in partnership with uh, the local communities and local voices. And that's increasingly true everywhere around the world. There still are some places that uh, try and ram things through and barrel through, but they're getting more and more resistance on the ground and they're getting more and more questions from uh, consumers as to you know what what went into this product that I'm buying and how how is it good for the planet or bad for the planet on multiple different levels and that's something that we recognize as a government that the only way to get big things built is to do it in respect of science and in partnership with communities particularly indigenous communities and that's something that we uh, move are moving forward with uh, as a key part of of our new regulatory frame on bill c69 and quite frankly uh, the number of uh, you know, thoughtful submissions and amend amendments to that to improve it uh, from this industry. The, uh, the measured support for what we're trying to do is really appreciated because we know that government can't just decree that something will be built there anymore in the absence of partnerships, consultations, and rigorous processes. And that's exactly what you've understood. So we're moving forward with C69 in a way that, first of all, takes care of the doubling impact. You no longer will have to go through separate processes that overlap at the provincial and the federal level. There'll be one project, one assessment for one project, which is something I know the industry has asked for a long time. One of the other things in Bill C-69 is we're moving forward on something that is already best practices in many parts of your industry, which is uh, doing early assessments, early engagement uh, that will you know, look at the viability or the challenges around a project before you've sunk too much time and energy into it, uh, early consultations and work with, with, uh, with communities to be able to highlight and flag some of the challenges you're liable to run into uh, later in the, in the development process, but also give you clarity and investors clarity from early on. Uh, and finally, the fact that it's now a one-stop shop at, uh, yeah, at the uh, Canadian Environmental Assessment Agency that you don't have to run around answering random questions from eight different departments across government uh, is going to be a significant improvement. But there's a lot of things that we're doing to give you, as investors and as operators, the kind of certainty and clarity that you need when you're moving forward. And that's, that's a big piece of the future of this industry as well.
Uh, thank you, Prime Minister. I think many of our members recognize that we're being heard by your government in a way that we perhaps weren't used to. Um, Bill C-69 is certainly a good manifestation of that and the mineral exploration tax credit as well. I do want to go back for a moment to reconciliation because I think that's an area that most of our members, most Canadians, most of the earth scientists and geologists that work within our industry are all too familiar. So there's an economic disconnect in northern Canada, in particular between Aboriginal communities, the Indigenous peoples and southern Canada. The mining industry has been working very hard to try to build bridges where there weren't any before. That's also true in parts of Canada where there's very little infrastructure. Mining companies bring infrastructure. And reconciliation, like diversity, can mean many different things. But reconciliation means much more to the mining industry than saying, I'm sorry. It's about building partnerships, building capacity, building improved infrastructure, health care, and housing in most of those northern communities. What does your government see as its role with our industry in enhancing reconciliation? Well, we recognize that, that infrastructure investments uh, in remote, uh, remote parts of the country in the north uh, is are essential for those communities to th thrive. I mean, there's a lot of discussion of northern sovereignty over the over the over the recent years, with climate change making uh, our Canada's north and the Arctic more accessible to shipping and exploration. Well, the sovereignty in the north and in remote areas has always passed not through you know who plants a flag or who stations scientists or even military. It happens through the people who've lived there for millennia, uh, and supporting those communities with good schools, good roads, good jobs, good opportunities is key to actually being uh, the country that we want to be where everyone has a real and a fair chance to succeed regardless of where you are. And a big part of creating uh, that sense of success and resilience within a community comes through jobs. Uh, and you can't have a government, you know, determine that this community is going to thrive and, you know, take care of just pumping in money, you need economic activity around that. And the natural resource sector is a natural place where we actually draw the value from uh, the minerals, from the land that is there. But if we're going to do it, we have to recognize that for far too many generations, it was done without the consent, without the participation, without any benefits flowing to uh, the people who known this land and lived on this land for, for from time immemorial. So what we look at now is recognizing that people want to be successful, they want to have agency over their communities and their success, uh, and that happens in positive partnership with, uh, with inve smart investors who are being responsible. Now there's always bonds of trust that need to be built, and there have been examples of broken trust in the past that are going to need to get beyond, but the more the industry itself engages in a thoughtful, positive way with, uh, with indigenous peoples and communities as partners who want the same thing, want to draw value from the land and have positive benefit on communities and on the world, uh, then you will find that there are strong alliances and strong, strong uh, stability and future coming. And I know, I know that because I've seen it many, many times, many examples of uh, big companies and junior companies uh, that are doing the right kinds of things uh, that are win-win-wins across the board. Thank you, Prime Minister. 
I don't think we can really talk about northern Canada and the remote regions without also talking about the environment and sustainability at the same time. And certainly with the PDAC, um, respect for land, access to land, responsible exploration are very dominant themes. I'd like to get your thoughts on ways that the minerals industry can continue to work with your government to address and enhance sustainability in a low-carbon future environment. And well, a, a big piece of it is is the innovation you you've always invested in. I mean, as you're looking for ways to uh, you know lower your costs, inevitably you're also looking uh, to waste less, to pollute less. We know that is uh, a big driver of costs in many situations, particularly in, in remote areas. And uh, our customers, clients, and partners around the world are expecting, particularly from Canada, uh, you know, high levels of rigor in terms of what you are doing is not negative negatively impacting on future generations. And that could be sociological levels, but it could also be and, and is obviously environmental is issues. So the kinds of uh, research and innovation you're doing, I mean, a, a great example is uh, what the aluminum industry uh, came together to do with Elisis, uh, uh, where Rio Tinto uh, and, uh, and I mean, the big companies came together to uh, actually develop a, a new process that doesn't uh, emit any greenhouse gases that uh, is zero carbon in terms of creating high quality aluminum uh, and those are the kinds of innovations that people can be confident because we know more and more high tech companies are looking for being able to say that not only are all their, all their manufacturing done on uh, green power uh, but the products themselves are low carbon in the emissions in the manufacturing so zero carbon aluminum for example uh, is going to be more and more of a value added to uh, to the products that people buy around the world so as we look at ways of enhancing consumer choices in ways that protect our environment, that recognize the longer term impacts of what we're doing, we actually create better value and are including the kinds of consequences and externalities that future generations otherwise might have been paying for. People are looking for responsibility and I think the mining industry, uh, like many industries, has been really, really thoughtful about saying, okay, um, Yes, we need to mine. Uh, we need to develop our minerals. We need uh, more copper and rare earth minerals for the electronics we have today. But you can't put a mine anywhere. And when you're putting a mine in a delicate watershed or a particular protected area, you might have to do more to protect it. I mean, there is a bigger context that you have to be thoughtful about. And I think what citizens expect, what Canadians know, is you can't separate what's good for the environment and what's good for the economy. Uh, you have to do them both together now. You have to create the jobs, the, the economic growth, the opportunities for future generations at the same time as you are not damaging the future of those next generations in terms of the air they breathe and the water they drink. That's what all Canadians expect. That's what increasingly people around the world expect. And the more we can think about and innovate in ways that are reaching that, the better off, uh, the more competitive you will be as an industry. That's one of the reasons why as a country we've made decisions uh, that are making, uh, you know, making things clearer for you in terms of the long-term decisions we're making. We're putting a price on pollution, for example. Uh, 
Well, if it's no longer free to pollute, you will be incentivized, as I know you will be, uh, to invest in cleaner technologies and to make longer-term investments, knowing that if you don't, uh, your prices are going to rise in a way that is undesirable. Uh, that's how putting a price on pollution actually helps your industry in the long term because we know that the world is going that way and the more we can do to create a context in Canada in which we're not just participating in that but we're actually leading the way in developing these solutions around the world <clears throat> then we know that we're, uh, we're on the right track. Thank you Prime Minister and lithium, cobalt and nickel all come from the products of our industry so thank you for that. I can tell that I'm already getting signals from different sources, so I'm not sure how I should proceed, but uh, I'd like to thank you for your attendance at our PDAC 2019 convention, Prime Minister, and I look forward to continuing our collaborative discussions. Thank you very much. Merci infiniment. Thank you very much, Glenn. Thank you all for the great work you all do. Merci beaucoup tout le monde. does it for this week's episode thanks so much for listening and as always if you want to help out the podcast please like the podcast share it subscribe to it all those things help us uh, spread the word about the podcast and that's it thanks for listening bye bye